Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. It is December 1st, 2018. Year is almost over. But joining me for this podcast is Brian Pizzoli. It is finally December. Oh this year gosh. has been so long. It's kind of nuts. It's kind of nuts because I think someone mentioned this and it also like their reaction to it was pretty amazing too. It's that the Olympics happened this year. No one remembers that. <laughs> it's been such a long, long year. Um, we've gone through so much, uh, and you know, in just a couple weeks, uh, you know, all game of the year discussions will be kicking off. And I imagine that'll be a bit of a bloodbath considering all the great games that came out this year. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. But like yeah. monster hunter world was March and that feels forever ago. Yes. Yes. I think it was March, but like no, some January. Of stuff from earlier in the year. It was January. Oh, it was, um, maybe that's why it feels longer, but like still this year. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, that, yeah, that happened in January, and obviously you've got Dragon Quest Eleven was another big, big launch. Valkyrie Chronicles Four, uh, just you know, I can go on and on. There's just so many games to to uh, be in those discussions, and you know, considering the stuff that we care the most about, uh, like Four Twenty Eight is another game got a ten out of ten, and I feel like it's a bit of a disservice that. I haven't played that game yet because <laughs> so, it... so that's so that's for our website two tens this year. Yes. Uh, 428 and Dragon Quest. So, yes. I, I guess we're obligated to pick between those two. Oh, huh? uh, I mean, that's just one person's opinion. And so it's right, it's right. definitely possible Being that. Coy. Yeah, I, I guess, of course. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely games that uh, touched us more than others uh, this year. So it's important that, you know, everyone's voice is heard, is heard of course. You've definitely played games that you've uh, had a lot of fun with. Uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, Pathfinder, for example, might not be one of those. <laughs> As you said, you might wait till no. next year. Uh, last Probably not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, or well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but it's it's going to be fascinating. Um, and I'm excited also because it's uh, other sites do it as well. And it's great podcast material. And so it's you've got hours and hours of uh, audio to listen to when you're not busy working or something or when you're busy working. So that's also something I really like uh, about this month. But yeah, there's still some games to come. Uh, Smash Brothers, of course, this upcoming week, and also Just Cause Four that everyone kind of forgot about. Um, still games to to play. So uh, anyway, let's get to um, our podcast properly. And as we always do before we get into the news, we like to talk about the games that we've been playing. So Brian, uh, of course, you talked about this last week, but you were still sort of under embargo. Um, but of course, you put out your review uh, uh, for this week, and that was for Dark Siders Three. And so now you have. The floodgates have opened. Now you can kind of talk more about it uh, more directly. And so it sounds like um, you weren't alone in some of your opinions that you shared, uh, that it's not the best follow-up to what were considered two solid games at the very least. Right. So uh, I put up a review last Monday morning on Darksiders 3. Some people might ask, well, it's like that's not really an RPG. It's like, well, that game actually borrows a lot from Dark Souls. And I don't yes. mean that in the typical sense where everything can be compared to Dark Souls. No, yeah, it, the so uh, the inspiration the inspiration inspiration for the game is obviously Dark Souls. Um, you have like a refillable uh, healing item that could easily be called an Estus flask. <laughs> yeah. uh, there there's a there's glowing orb items on every enemy corpse, not every corpse, but that you don't know whether or not it's a a consumable item or uh, equipment or whatever until you pick it up. Um, there's red-eyed enemies that don't respawn, just like in Demon Souls. 
Um, there's a ton of obvious, you know, the, where this game draws its inspiration from is not, you know, secret. It's it's pretty clear. So if, if Darksiders 1, you tie to Zelda, and Darksiders 2, you kind of tie to Diablo plus Zelda, this is kind of like Dark Souls plus Zelda. So, uh, so the main thing that you lose when you design the game that way is that there's no more, like, bespoke dungeons. Like, there's no area that you go into and you got to find the map, the compass, the small keys. Yeah. Um, instead, it's one giant dungeon, for lack of a better way to phrase it, where you got six interlocking areas with multiple uh, entrances and exits. You can unlock more of those uh, with new equipment that you get or new uh, traversal abilities. And when I was describing this game on a, on a message board, I actually said it's kind of like if um, Dark Souls and Metroid Prime had had a kid that was an action game. That's kind of what Darksiders 3 feels like. <laughs> it's a little bit unfortunate because it's not as good as either of those two games. But when you're talking about Dark Souls and Metroid Prime, what games are? Not a whole lot of them are yes. as good as those two games. So I don't think that's really, you know, that's not that's not a huge critique. It, it falls short, but most games would. Um, so it's definitely an enjoyable experience. I think if you go in with your expectations aligned, you will have a really good time with it. Uh I, th- I thought it was, you know, it has the same, it tickles the same part of the brain when you like go through a giant uh, labyrinthian cave or whatever, and then you end up opening a gate like where you were four hours previously. And you're like, oh, I'm back here. It actually does a pretty good job of doing that better than maybe like Dark, uh, Dark Souls 2 did. So yeah, it definitely, it definitely comes with the same sort of good, um, good feeling of progression when you're able to sort of get your mental map straight, get your uh, locations kind of, you you know, you find the secrets, you, you unlock the shortcuts. Uh, so it definitely does, I think, have the, the fact that it borrows from the Souls series, I think was a good decision. I don't think it was some sort of needless thing. I think it was, I think it worked out for the most part. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, um, it's definitely a new team, as we already talked about, that worked on Dark Siders 3. It's not the same people that made the first two. So they already had uh, a pretty huge challenge uh, to tackle because of that. Um, but, you know, Dark Siders as a property doesn't seem to be in many people's headspace to begin with. And so it's not like, you know, people were like, well, I, I mean, this definitely has its fans. I'm not, I was going to say, like, you know, maybe they weren't clamoring for a sequel. I mean, it's, it's definitely a series that, um, we already mentioned before as well that it took obviously before a lot of inspiration from Zelda, you know, it, it would have been great if they tried to do something far more unique in their approach. Uh, but it sounds like they didn't quite tackle that. You know, it's like the kind of thing that I didn't like Castlevania Lords of Shadow because it felt like it was just a, an amalgamation of a bunch of other games that were better than it. <laughs> and so, uh, shadow of the Colossus. Yes. Oh, that's a, that's a big thing. And like the puzzles are not good. A lot of the, you know, reflecting mirror stuff. That's yeah. But, oh. um, so, so Darksiders three has some of the same team that used to be a visual games. I don't really, I can't, I don't know how much, Yeah, but if it does feel like they're kind of like hamstrung from the outset because Obviously, the first game focuses on war, yeah. and at the end of that game, it introduces the other three in a in a in a, in a you know sequel bait, and then they make their like parallel prequel with Darksiders two, focusing on death. Yes, and as as soon as Vigil Games made that decision to have the sequel focus on another writer, and that automatically pretty much tells you, well, three and four have to be Fury and Strife. That's yeah. that's the, that's the way they set it up. So, <laughs> Road so 
So if you're so if you're an ex Vigil Games employee and you you end up at Gunfire Games to make a Darksiders game, you already know before you even put pen to paper or code to computer. Well, I guess the next game's got to be Fury or Strife. Like yes. not technically true. They didn't they didn't have to go that direction, but that's kind of the way it's been laid out. So um, being able to uh, not just have the same game, only a different protagonist, to, to be able to structure the game differently. In this case, it does happen to be Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that actually makes it like this isn't just Darksiders one or two with a different protagonist. It is somewhat different. It plays slightly differently. So I think that's actually that actually helps make it uh, a little bit more noteworthy. Yeah. So e- even if you like the first games, you might not like this one, or hopefully you like this one better because you're you're a really good. You're a strong fan of that sort of um, interlocking maze souls like map design. And then that, this game has that. And you're actually like, Oh, I might actually like this game more. Um, I, I thought it was weak in the sense that it was another parallel prequel. Like it doesn't further the story at all. Yeah. W- w- yeah. Without spoilers, it basically just gives fury something to do at the same time. The other <laughs> games have gone on. It's, it feels kind of diversionary, but it kind of have to be because again, the way they set out the, the first two games like so it, it kind of feels like this doesn't move the story forward but mm. you know i don't think that's a huge deal it's a small deal but not a huge deal it's fine yeah but. yeah i mean i personally have already picked up the two remasters of the dark Siders games um it's been a long time since i played the original so it's it, i figured you know i'll pick that up i still want to play dark Siders 3 despite those issues just because i i mean i've played plenty of games that aren't peak uh a peak quality like i mentioned before i covered i reviewed lords of the fallen which is was definitely a game that tried to steal i would it would i don't know if it's stealing but it was lifting directly from that formula even uh, formula even if it was a lot more claustrophobic in its level design which i think was to its detriment because the bugs and glitches were frame were far more obvious as opposed to like a souls game where it's like a little more far off even if you do see them from time to time uh but you know that's that's an issue that it has and i think that it makes me wonder if the vigil games the ex vigil games employees whether they fully intended to work on this new dark siders game or maybe they had an idea for another direction they wanted to go in i mean i'm sure they have like the strong connection to the property and so they were you know happy that this was picked up and that they could continue on with what they wanted to do with it but as you said running another parallel parallel prequel uh for this story it's like i you don't know even if they know exactly what could further the story uh, in, in essence you know like what actually could go where could they go from here maybe they think that all we've got is something that can work in tandem kind of like you know another series valkyrie chronicles it's like they got a lot of side-by-side stories nothing really that comes after other than uh, i guess with two so that's that's a, an issue that I guess they got to feel with, but you also mentioned they kind of wrote themselves into a corner and uh, trying to approach that. So who knows? Right. So I had a lot of fun uh, playing. Like, so it's got all of the it's got all of the characteristics of an action game, yeah. But with the aspects of, of of a sorry sorry for this term Metroidvania that sort of lock and key sort of progression, yeah. Um, and as well as like the Dark Souls boss fights and. Um, emphasis on timing dodges and things like that it doesn't always work there's sometimes where you feel like you're locked on to an enemy and then they summon some um some additional help a certain enemy type and then obviously the the, the combat system's just kind of like dark souls it it really excels on one-on-one and doesn't really do as hot 
with uh with multiple you know targets because yeah. the cameras the camera's kind of close and target switching is a little finicky so there's a couple times where you feel like you're frustrated not because the game's hard but because it's hard to control um but i think those are kind of more minor nitpicks like in the in the broad sense i think everything works well i think the decisions made in designing this game uh i think they're mostly good ones yeah. so that's good I mean, and, and because it's working with a different team, uh, you know, if they do have the opportunity to make another one for, you know, Strife, uh, for example, I wonder um, if they can make, if they have a better go at it, you know, now that they kind of have a better idea of what, what kind of foundation they have. But, you know, considering this is the third entry in a series, I don't know if the fans would get along with that. So who knows? I guess it all depends yeah, on how do, successful do, it is. Yeah. Do they use that character strive to lead into finally moving the narrative past the first game? Or do they make it a fourth parallel branch before eventually tying it up after that? You know, that's that's up to them to figure out what they want to do. Yeah. So... And if the publisher even wants to go ahead, go ahead with a, another entry in the series, like I mentioned, it right. kind of comes down to the sales, and I don't know how it's doing. You know, it it did launch kind of in a spot where there wasn't really anything else coming out, um, but you know, a lot of people, of course, are focusing on next week with Smash Brothers, so it's kind of. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It's the same reason, like you know, Battlefield. No one bought that game. Apparently, it's been bombing in the sales. So it's it's kind of hard to say whether uh, anyone was looking to play other games outside of you know some of the bigger titles coming in this year. But we'll see. Yeah, obviously, I'm not a publisher in charge of making these decisions, <laughs> but I always feel like you know those late spring to early fall months from March to August. Uh, I guess August is summer still. Yeah, um, but. I feel I feel like those like that's when games like uh, Octopath Traveler and all that are able to kind of get attention they might quote unquote deserve. Yeah. It, it feels like when everything's backloaded like this, you have every game from every genre competing for time, and something's always got to fall through the cracks. Whether it's a huge game like Battlefield or a smaller game like Darksiders, it feels like it could be organized at least at least as a on a from a consumer standpoint, it'd be nice to have a little bit more even pacing to the releases, but, <laughs> but the way holidays work, it's, you, you can kind of understand why they do it. Yeah. It's, it's not always the case though, just because like, you know, that obviously that's a little more the traditional way of thinking. Uh, but you know, if a game like Borderlands, that was a whole new IP. It launched, I think it was like September, October, right in the midst of the biggest titles of the year, including like Call of Duty. And it's still, sold extremely well and so i don't know it, it's it, like you can't really predict how these things go and right. for darksiders i don't imagine the budget was that large they may have been using a lot of like you know uh existing assets within the engine but um maybe they didn't need a lot to break even because they're you know maybe the publisher's expectations were a little bit lower they already expected what this game might sell so it could could happen you know and and at least as you mentioned before is like there's some good ideas there and so i'm, I'm glad to hear at least well, that's the case it sounds like they are already uh, this isn't really directly correlated to its performance like sales wise but it does seem like they're already doing a uh bang up job supporting it yeah they released a um they released a like a beta a beta branch patch to uh to address both difficulty issues as well as um stability issues oh, and cool. it's been out for less than a week so it's cool to already see that um so hopefully they're able to buff out the issues they can post launch it seems like word of mouth for the game is relatively positive so good. hopefully it does all right yeah good for them um so is there anything else you've been playing besides dark status 3 this week 
Uh, nope. I pretty much just <laughs> finished that up. The only other thing I have been playing is that I've been playing uh, Monster Hunter on the PC. Yeah. So over the last couple of weeks, they've released uh, Cool Teroth and then the Nostra. And now it's the Winter Festival. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Uh, last night, I just did the Arc Tempered Kirin, which is their um, electric unicorn. So that's that was uh, my last. That was that was a bunch of headache last night, but I did eventually get them. Yeah, so that's 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 what I've been doing in the gaps. You got a new video card as well, is that right? I did, but I've been having uh, a few computer issues, not really related to the video card, I don't think. But it was it did mean that on Monster Hunter on my computer, I was able to toggle on the um, volumetric effect, so like the fog. And it does Ooh. like when you're when you're playing when you're playing in the ancient forest uh, uh, when it's raining or whatever it does look way different. So it's pretty cool to be able to like get an upgrade to your computer and toggle these cool bells and whistles back on. Yeah, stuff that obviously you were not so focused on in a game that's so twitch based that you needed to make sure that you had the best performance. But you know, you sure it's not like the power supply get enough power to the video card that could be causing technical no, issues? No, I I, th- I think my issue with my computer is that I got one of those monitors that can overclock to a higher frame rate. Yeah. And I think that's been causing issues. So I have it connected by I have it connected by display port um, because that has a higher pass through until HDMI comes up with two point one or whatever it is. Yeah. Like right now, uh, I'm not I'm not super technically inclined, but display point display port one point four passes through more signal in terms of resolution and frame rate compared to HDMI two point But HDMI two point one eventually matches it, but the newer video cards don't support that you might have to wait till next year i think it's it's always a constant like rat race like which which uh which uh proprietary format ends up being top dog for any given any given year right now i guess it's display port but next year it might be hdmi 2.1 and then who knows after that point but i i when i haven't been having issues i've been playing monster hunter um and they recently added an hdr mode to the pc version so that's been that's been cool to see uh that's awesome that's cool um anyway it's been i need to get back to that game because i own it and i only played some of it around launch so i, I want to get back to it because it's i love tokiden so much and i figured like monster in the world should be more up my alley so i'm gonna get back to it um i know some people i know don't call it an rpg but i think we think it does just because it has such a, a oh, huge alliance of gear and stats <laughs> yeah but it's it's the, it's the one big game uh that has a good presence at um, next week's uh, video game awards for both game of the year and RPG of the year. Yeah, that's, so it's, that's the one, it's, it's the it's the one it's the one game that's uh, nominated for both categories. So it's, it's kind of a bummer just because there's been so many other great RPGs that aren't getting their fair fair shake. Like I know one of the controversies is that Xenoblade Chronicles Two wasn't nominated in anything, consider despite the fact that Xenoblade Chronicles One also launched in December, and so the VGAs waited to the following year, and then they put them in categories, and so it's you know they just assume it's outside the window. But Xenoblade Chronicles Two, nothing nominated for the game uh, or the soundtrack, or any like that. So there's yeah, already hey, obviously problems. we can't know for sure. You could always just make the argument, well, it wasn't good enough to be nominated, but. <laughs> when, you, when you're talking about the, when you're talking about the soundtrack, you're like, really? Yeah. But yeah, I guess it, it just it, it just celebrated its year anniversary today. Yes. Um. So we shared that on social, and obviously, a lot of people, you know, that game really resonated with them, so they're sharing it a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, and it's not nominated for anything because it released 
I think, between the window of nominations in the show last year. So it should have been able to be nominated this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it feels like it fell through the cracks because of its release. Yeah. Like, or... I, like I, I bet I can't I can't say this definitively, but I bet you that if it released in January, it would have been nominated for at least soundtrack of the year, if not <laughs> RPG of the year, if not maybe game of the year, maybe. Um, so that's a little bit of a bummer, but what can you do? I yeah. Guess? I mean, or it says more about the judges uh, on the panel right. that probably never played the game. So whatever. Uh, it's just it, what it is. I mean, it's weird to put any sort of equity in that award show because it's hardly ever about the games. It's mostly about the right. world premieres as it were. And apparently there's, it's supposed to be really stacked this year. So if any, if anything, that should be exciting. Um, but we'll get more to that maybe next week because uh, Jeff Keighley has been sharing a lot of details regarding that, uh, like who's going to be there. Because, like, you know, I think it's kind of funny. I made this comment before that, you know, people are taking some issue with the fact that there's going to be, like, a lot of celebrities there. Like, I think Christoph Waltz is going to be there, uh, which is bizarre <laughs> in many respects because you don't expect him to be. Uh, he's the guy. He's the bad guy in Glorious Bastards. People don't know what I'm talking about. But um, you got to remember... Jessica Alba introduced Dark Souls 2 at the VGAs, so it's not too weird to think about a situation where like any random celebrity could announce a game that a lot of people would be excited about. So, well, I, I'm of I'm of a couple of minds. Like, I do mm-hmm. agree that their show should have a stronger focus on awards and less focus on reveals. But at the same time, if you look at award shows for other disciplines, uh there's usually like a lot, there's usually like a host that's a comic or some similar nature that, you know, has skits or jokes. And then there's like a red carpet where people focus on uh, outfits and who's present and things like that. Yeah. Like, they did so that. to have a portion, sort of have a portion of an award show dedicated to um, pleasing the fans with trailers and information. I'm okay with that though. Sometimes I look at the list of invitees and I'm just kind of like, really? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, this, it's, it's for me. And, and uh, you know, there was that time that one award show, I think it was Jeff Keighley and I forget there was another host, but I'm blanking on his name, but like he wanted to be more developer focused. And I think that was the time when they, yeah, it was the one, it was the show when they revealed uh, no man's guy for the first time. And so they sat down Um uh with with the team there and and uh, at hello games uh and that's they've done that with other studios as, they did that with other studios as well and so that was a a pretty a cool approach to it even if it felt more like like is this like e3 or something uh but um you know it's it's also the way that jeff Keighley can get the money uh the investment that he needs to run the right. show to begin with so he does these world premieres and stuff like that because of uh, companies pay him the big bucks to be able to do that the same reason he got sponsorships that's why last year you had like the gillette uh the walking razor blade. Well, i don't know what that thing it's, was it's, it's, it's weird how uh last year I, it could be different people saying this but last year people were like really how cringeworthy yeah. and then this year like you see people saying like what this is, is the only celebrity i'll i'll allow it by vgas or whatever. oh my gosh or it's TVAs. like it's flipped it the meme it the meme flipped and so everyone wants that person to be there and now they have like look looking through the window the gillette uh razor just looking through a window <laughs> staring at like oh yeah in the rain is so good um yeah so like I said, we maybe we'll get some more details by next week. You know, if not, then this has been your VGA minute <laughs> that we can we'll talk about the pod uh, about that award show that's happening. Um, 
When when does that? What day is that on? Uh, it's it's the sixth or seventh. Oh, okay. So actually, this is. I'm sorry. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was uh, a week from uh, next week. But then again, it's also it was supposed to be um, a PlayStation Experience was supposed to be next weekend. If we would have followed the first uh, weekend of the year uh, of of December, actually, maybe it would have been today. Uh, but of course, since that didn't happen, uh, they're just continuing on with the award show anyway although to be fair outside of the first year it's always been its own separate thing anyway so. yeah so it, it is the sixth okay it's the seventh i guess if you're in uh some parts of europe yeah so uh from everything that people have been saying on social media there's going to be some bombshell announcements and so you can bet you know if anything relevant is announced we'll definitely be talking about it on the next podcast um so for me as far as what i've been playing it's because we've been talking about a little bit about souls uh i beat bloodborne and that was a hell of an experience. It was a lot of fun. Like I love the look of that game. Um, I don't know if I talked about this last week, but I love the uh, the fashion, if you will. Uh, I don't know if you've played Bloodborne, Brian. Um, I've played the base game. Yes. The base game. Oh, okay, yeah, that's all I played. I did not play Old Hunters. I it's because Bloodborne was free on PlayStation Plus, I believe, in March, and so that was like I played a little bit of it with uh, Kazuma back then. I think I beat Gascone, and that was like kind of the uh, the time when I stopped back then. Um, but I felt this urge to pick it up again recently. Uh, feel like I need something a bit of a more like challenging experience after playing some typical RPGs. That you know, I wanted something to you know make me feel motivated to beat it uh and i think that that game i had uh it feels like i had a better time at it than uh, maybe other people did uh, i think a lot of it has to do with my experience with uh neo because it's more fast-paced uh, uh than you know the souls games uh, everyone knows of course bloodboard is more fast-paced because they took away the shield although you can still get a shield but it's like just the wooden one so it's kind of funny that way um but you you mostly just rely on parrying dodging getting your health back that kind of stuff um and so like one of the hardest bosses in the game i think is dark beast parl uh is the one that a lot of people kind of turn to uh outside of of course the old hunters dlc which i imagine has got a lot harder bosses in it but I think I beat that on my first try, and I I saw in the comment, uh, someone commented saying, you know, that some people took them days, weeks, even like they put off the game for like a month or two because they couldn't beat that boss, and so it made me feel really good about my ability. It's always interesting to see people talk about like, well, I spent forever on, in my case, the Bloodstar Beast, but I beat Gascoon on my first try or yeah. whatever. And, and then another one I and then Bloodstar, yeah, yeah. Um, and then another one I struggled with was. The last boss you fight at the true ending. Yes, um, nightmare. And then, and then, and then you mentioned that you beat him like on your third try. I'm like, you must have been doing something way better than I was versus that boss. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think I mentioned too is that I put a lot of emphasis on my stamina, uh, even if you know a lot of build guides that i was reading up on like i was trying to avoid any sword stuff but i was figured you know i like to some have some direction because apparently uh you have to wait till a new game plus to reset your stats as opposed to some other games that i played that are like the souls games where you know you can just uh use an item to reset everything neo definitely had that the book of reincarnation to a big fault because that actually hurt the game immensely because they used it as a way to forgive uh players for screwing up the balance into the game so often with their patches um, but for Bloodborne, yeah, I just want to make sure I was at least on the right path. I kind of did my own determination about the way I wanted to go. I just needed some input. And yeah, it was, um, I had a better go with it than I think. But I'm also, I consider myself a very patient person, uh, especially in these games. And I wanted to, I stayed back for most of the fight. 
I mostly did the, you know, like, I ran in, poke him a couple times, and that fight took me about at least five minutes, maybe ten minutes, because I was taking, I was being super patient with him, because uh, I did not want to, you know, uh, obviously go down, and luckily I had used the um, the rune that gave you extra blood vials, which is your healing item, because uh, I was down to about two <laughs> by the time I was done with it. I was super concerned about that, because... Well, every yeah. once in a while when you're playing those games, and this happened to me on Darksiders, where you're like... I don't want to die and have to run back here again. So yeah. I'm just going to play like a conservative tournament language bitch and just like turtle it. And be <laughs> yeah. Just be completely careful. And even if the fight takes 30 minutes, I'm just going to, I don't want to respawn again. So I'm just oh, going to be yeah. super duper careful. You see that fraction of health they've got left and you try like, I don't want to be greedy. And so that little sliver of health can take you like, it can feel like an eternity when you're just sitting there poking at it on, um, Luckily, I mean, I had a weapon that was mixed out, uh, and it was the Ludwig's Holy Blade, and that weapon is very, very fun to use, because it's a regular, regularly, it's just a typical one-handed sword, almost like a katana, and then you use that, you know, more, you can combine it, and it turns into, like, a giant two-bladed weapon, uh, two-handed weapon, uh, a great sword. Uh, there's very few of those in that game, so that's, uh, maybe, actually, that might be the only one. Um, so, yeah, that was very fun. I tried to play Dark Souls, and I just couldn't get into it. Um, starting off with, I think it's just because Bloodborne, going back to Dark Souls after playing Bloodborne is obviously a very different experience, but I think I was also kind of a little burned out. So, I'm debating about what to play from, from here on. I was maybe thinking about either picking up Persona 5 again, because I got halfway through that game uh, and stopped, but I'll figure it out. So, <laughs> uh but yeah, uh, let's go ahead on that note and get right into the news. Um, surprise! There's very little to talk about this week, as we mentioned before. It's it's we're just coming out of the holidays, and you know, uh, really the end of the year. Mostly, we're just getting press releases from companies asking us to consider them for Game of the Year awards. <laughs> so it's uh, uh, it's definitely a case where it's like, okay, we're kind of winding down, but you know, January is going to be huge uh, as is February and March. So I'm sure by the end of December, we'll get a lot of stuff anyway. And a lot to talk about regarding that. But one thing we did get um, is, speaking of news that could potentially make December a big month, is uh, the fact that Bioware is saying that they're going to share more details about the next Dragon Age, which we talked about a little bit. um, That, you know, we're going to talk about the future of Dragon Age. Um, They previously teased that uh, about this back in August. uh, Casey Hudson uh, and the direct and and the director of Dragon Age basically said, "Yeah, you know, we're, we're also working on this. You know, even if uh, Mass Effect Andromeda didn't hit the notes that we wanted to, it's Dragon Age is still a thing, as is Anthem." And so this is the note that Casey Hudson uh, had to say about this: "Is that if you've been following these blogs or myself and Mark Dara, Mark Dara, of course, being the lead uh, on the Dragon Age." Uh, property you know we're also working on some secret dragon age stuff dragon age is an incredibly important franchise in our studio and we're excited to continue its legacy look for more on this in the upcoming month although i won't tell you where to look uh so you know uh, speaking of the game awards that's uh that's very potentially where we'll likely see details about that um and yeah, actually, we talked about this off the podcast before we started recording this. But you know, for me, um, I've only played Dragon Age One. Uh, I beat that game, and I played a good chunk of Inquisition. Um, 
my opinion is that I did not like Dragon Age One at all. Like it, this, like this was supposed to be what they considered to be like the uh, spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate, because um, they figured you know no one wants to play these CRPGs. Little did they know, you know how big that stuff would get later on. But um, they wanted to make it more action RPG focused. You know, with some of the same you know mechanics that you saw in the Baldur's Gate games, make it more like maybe Dark Alliance or something like that, more action oriented. Uh, and I just didn't like the way it was presented and the way it was weird how you killed a little rat and then you were covered in blood. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't get into this. And it has some glitches. Inquisition, I thought, was pretty cool because it had some... Yeah, I, I liked mechanics. both uh, Origins and Inquisition with yeah. the exception that I think in Inquisition had really bad or at least boring quest design, which is a you know that's a huge yeah. thing to miss in a, in a big RPG. But I think the the scope of the world, the combat, the the, the crafting system, even I think a lot of the par- components of that game were strong. The castle stuff. It just so yeah. happens that it just so happens that the quest design wasn't one of them, and that's a for an RPG that's a pretty big uh, thing to miss on. <laughs> uh, so obviously the the hint doesn't say specifically, but I I would think that that would be referring to. Uh, a reveal at the Game Awards, or at least a tease. We already do know that uh, Anthem will be getting a trailer at uh, the Game Awards. Yes. So I wouldn't be surprised if this somehow is, uh, you know, attached to that announcement right after it or something like that. Probably. So, yeah. well, so it'll be interesting to see because uh, right now they just keep kind of giving these hints like it's a skeleton crew, but it's still alive or we're, it's, it's not dead yet completely. So it'd be nice to see something concrete, um, especially since the last um, DLC pack for Inquisition Trespasser basically directly leads into where that series would be going, like narratively speaking. Yes. So it's, so it's basically been a giant cliffhanger for like three years. So obviously fans of that series are very much looking forward to seeing it continue. So yeah, and uh, for for a lot of people, I mean Anthem, um, which goes into closed alpha next weekend for the consoles and for PC. It's like that is definitely meant to be more for the uh, Destiny crowd. You know, uh, it's right. it's not going to protect it from any of the comparisons because that's going to happen. Uh, but Dragon Age clearly feels like it's going to be you know kind of I wouldn't say I guess it's kind of like a make or break for Bioware in many ways because of the lackluster reception to uh, Andromeda. Like if they still can't deliver on the single player experience that well, then people, you know, be kind of concerned about where exactly the studio is at. I mean, Anthem, of course, could say a lot about that too, because uh, there are places where that's meant to be a, a really, it's supposed to be a lot of story driven experiences there too. But you know, Dragon Age is the other franchise that you know, aside from Ma- Mass Effect, um, people still have fond experiences with, and so I'm going to be very curious to see what what it'll be like. And I assume it's going to have a 2019 release, so maybe by the yeah, end of the obviously, year. Obviously, we hope that you know both styles of games do incredibly great yeah if they're if uh yeah whatever form dragon age takes and obviously whatever anthem ends up being uh we hope that they both end up you know doing what they're seeking out to do and doing it well if even if one's a more traditional bioware rpg and one is their their spin on a destiny division sort of uh sort of multiplayer experience yeah it's it's kind of interesting we can kind of this will probably lead us a little bit into the next discussion that we'll have it's that the fate of the western rpg is in a very weird spot right now because fallout 76 course showed up here a couple weeks ago and that's been going through a lot of controversy a lot of turmoil because of not only the state of the (laughs) game but also the the issue surrounding around its uh limited edition that was expensive that they were supposed to include a canvas bag but it was in fact a um 
Oh, a ni- was it a nylon bag? What was nylon, it? yeah. Uh, it feels like every it feels like every six hours there's another footnote uh, to this saga, and like some some uh the, the term influencers, uh, some influencers or YouTubers or other smaller outlets or, or um, personalities did get some sort of canvas bag, yeah, but not, not the same. same. Yeah, it's not. But, but but then but then but then fans who had spent money on this collector's edition didn't get one, and you could argue whether that's fair or not fair. And then obviously the game itself is kind of in a mess, but they are supporting it, and I think it's getting its second major patch on the fourth, and then its third on the eleventh. So um, just kind of like with Darksiders, they are seemingly committed to supporting it but it's it's just a soupy mess <laughs> it's oh my god yeah my god and and like i mentioned it's that you know mass effect and jamina with the reception it got deus ex of course being in a very weird spot right now we still don't know where any we haven't heard anything regarding that in a while from square enix and you know it's it's just been a really weird situation for a lot of that stuff which leads us into the next conversation um obsidian is set to announce their next RPG at the VGAs because they teased a lot of this stuff on their social media and on their website that they launched regarding this. So just to kind of back this up a little bit, actually, you know what, Brian, I'm going to have you talk about this because, uh, you know, you, you obviously are more into these games. I mean, you've been covering these games before. Right. Well, I've been playing a lot of uh, Obsidian's isometric style games from Tyranny to Pillars, but yeah. obviously for a lot of people, they're like, when are we going to get something reminiscent of Alpha Protocol or even more of Oakley? Fallout? Yeah. When are, when are we going to see something like Fallout New Vegas? Yeah. Well, I guess this this unannounced title for the VGAs has been cooking for I think three years, and people are obviously trying to glean all the information they can. So there's a there's people that have scrubbed LinkedIn pages that suggest that it's a third party RPG. Third person, um, yeah. Third, sorry, third third person RPG, and then the teases from their website kind of give this sort of retro future Fallout slash Bioshock vibe. So some people are like, "Well, if you give me a third person Bioshock esque Alpha Protocol in space, that sounds pretty cool." <laughs> sounds like, really but every, cool. Every, every, yeah, so everyone everyone's hypothetical, you know, game in their mind's eye is going to sound pretty neat. So it'll be interesting to see whatever they present, whether it's. Uh, similar to people's expectations or or not. So to help kind of scope what people should be expecting, the the this is a partnership between Obsidian and Take-Two, specifically one of Take-Two's new subsidiaries called Private Division. Now, we personally hadn't heard much about that and many people haven't because it was only established a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's we obviously have done a little bit of research, and it seems like what their what their goal is is to help help deliver games that are kind of smaller in scope um, compared to like these giant you know Witcher Three or Dragon Age sort of things, but kind of deliver them with the presentation that a a triple A game might give. Um, So people have been saying like on the level of um, Hellblade and a Sacrifice things like that yeah uh so just idea. as just just, just yeah. as an example of the scope of the game so um when 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 people talk about like you have to take the good with the bad with obsidian with games like uh 
Alpha Protocol, which were, of course, buggy, and then New Vegas, which is, of course, buggy. Um, you, you might think a partnership like this might be able to bring you the good without so much of the bad. Yeah. So so it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly what what gets turned out of this partnership. Yeah. Um, and oh. if, if it's the game people like. And, and I know people have been kind of certain minority of, or maybe majority of people are like, thank goodness it's not a isometric game again. <laughs> Which which bums which bums me out a little bit, yeah. but I, I I understand where they're coming from, especially with how well received uh, critically. Well, maybe not critically. How well received from a fan base standpoint, New Vegas was, and how people there's like that cult following of games like Alpha Protocol, which basically were completely tethered to Obsidian strength with um, storytelling and yeah, RPG yeah. Uh, consequence. So if they're able to showcase that in whatever format with the TGAs, I think people will be. Uh, pretty excited yeah and you know it's we didn't we didn't mention this but you know uh people who aren't aware it's that it's also got a strong pedigree behind it this new game because it's being held by tim kane and leonard boyoski who were the co-creators of the original fallout and so you know the fact that it's got that theme that the running visual theme of, of the original fallout games or the fallout series in general and bioshock means that yeah it's going to be apparently narrative focused or at least there's going to be Hopefully, a lot of environmental storytelling. It's something that you talked before about Fallout 76 is one of its more weaknesses there. So, you know, it's. And some, it, some yeah, people yes. might say, like, well, this is good timing for Obsidian yes. if they're able to deliver more what quote unquote people want compared to Fallout 76, which, you know, some people wanted that, but a lot of people more wanted that narratively driven, you know, story experience, which Obsidian's, you know, definitely known for. Oh so, gosh. if they're able to kind of court that audience. This could be, you know, this could be auspicious timing for them for their announcement. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about. You think they were like watching the the re- reception, the response to Fallout seventy six, and they got kind of giddy about that because it's like, all right, cool, we've got our marketing materials that we can use to say, you know, this isn't what really what people wanted, you know, and it's like the perfect time. It's the really the perfect time to announce a game like this because it's so cl- soon after the announcement of Fallout 76. I wonder if it was always intended to be announced at this point or if it's that they decided to speed it up a little bit uh, to announce it just because of that. Um, but who's to say? Uh, but yeah, well, we'll get- also since since they yeah. first released Pillars of Eternity in 2014 or 15, like that. I won't say that genre is saturated, but it's got so many more players now. It's yeah. got obviously, it's got obviously in exile. Um, you've obviously got Larian. You've got people like the people behind Pathfinder, Kingmaker, and Alcat. So to see Obsidian go back to what they used to do really well, this could be kind of like a return to form in a certain point from a certain point of re- point of view. Yeah. So. And we're excited. Yeah, we're very excited. Obviously, it's something that we're we're very much looking forward to. It's something we really wanted it with our experience with like New Vegas and Kotor Two and stuff like that. But you know, it's also important to mention that yes, uh, we said Private Division. This has got nothing to do with Microsoft or their contract that they inked only this year. And so um, this is definitely a game that can show up on multiple platforms and uh, Steam. <laughs> so it's it's like it's a thing where it will, we're looking forward to hearing more about that. It's it's a good time to be putting out a game like this, I think. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the... Um the semi-anxiety like well is this only going to be on xbox or is this only going to be on windows store like obviously nothing set in stone but this has been this has been in the works for uh based on those linkedin pages you know years and the acquisition was announced you know a month ago so it's you know all, all signs point to that this should be 
a, a game independent of the acquisition. Yeah, so funny the comparisons to Hellblade. You mentioned this off podcast, but it's like Ninja Theory was also acquired the makers of Hellblade. So it's it's a lot of weird coincidences that there's these comparisons being right. drawn and such. But we'll see. Um, all right, so then we only because we kind of addressed the other stuff throughout this podcast. There's only one other thing that we could talk about, and um, I think that I'll probably be the one to talk on this. Uh, but record of Agrist War marriage, marriage, mirage. Um, it's going to be localized, so people who don't know this was a PSP game that came out um, several years ago because it was a PSP game back in 2012. Um, it's another game in the Record of Agrist War series that never saw a localization, but Idea Factory and not Axis Games, who localized the other games in the series, or Ghostlight, they're the ones that are going to be bringing it over. Um, it's going to have Japanese voiceovers with English, Japanese, simplified Chinese, and traditional Chinese subtitles, and it's only going to be on Steam, uh, which is important, because this type of game, it's very moe, uh, and I wonder if part of the reason why you don't see it on, you won't see it on like a console is because of the whole Sony thing with their uh, new policies regarding... Um, the content of the games but you know for a game like this it's it's really the only place it could have gone because why put this on a console anyway for a game that this is it's this old and might not have much reverence at all um but it's got the same a lot of the same team who worked on the original agris war games including the same artist uh but you know this this is kind of the setup that it's got here is that um so the agris war franchise a lot of it has to do is is finding somebody uh getting married and then producing offspring and then it's you know kind of going through kind of like romancing saga you know going through the um uh the different generations that's why you got you know record of agus war like the it's the generation of uh of of different people that you would go through you'd pass on different traits and stats and stuff like that's the next generation here and so um that's exactly the kind of setup here it's that um you know you have your choice between a lot of different bachelorettes and the story's path will change depending on the girl that you choose and it goes through two generations and yes it's still you will retain stats and abilities from their parents um there are, as it also mentioned, special interactive CGs, which is exactly what you sound like. Uh, you get to inspect your partner's pleasure spots. Yeah, it's one of those games. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be um, kind of fascinating. It's a class-based game, um, and I'm curious to see if they're going to make any improvements to the visuals of the game. Um, because, yeah, it's like I said, it's a game that came out six years ago on the PSP. So, uh, looking, I'm actually kind of curious exactly what it is. Uh, I haven't barely played the Agris War games I'm pretty sure other Adam and I think James may have played them before, um, but I don't have much experience with them myself. But you know, uh, I'm curious to see what it will be. That's my my only yeah. comment is that I'm just glad that Steam allows them to exist. You know, as they were created. Yeah. So, and then this doesn't really support uh, smaller developers as much, but Steam did recently announce that for titles that sell above a certain threshold that they would allow those developers to get um, a higher percentage of the revenue. Did you see that? No, that's awesome. That's uh, good news. So the only, some people are cynically saying that they're only um, because you have to hit a sales threshold to hit that. Um, it's basically just a deterrent for larger pubs from creating their own uh, stores, which is probably a nugget of truth in, but it does at least suggest that games that do well on steam will be able to, you know, retain more of their, um, of their quote unquote cut of yeah. the, of the revenue. So it probably wouldn't affect a smaller game like this, 
but it, it is nice that Steam does allow them to exist as they're developed. So yeah, I mean, in my it, opinion, it, it is it is like you can come across uh, come uh, approach that in two different mindsets. Where it's like for one thing, it's like it's great that you know the more money. Excuse me, uh, you're talking about a huge amount of money. Like the cut would be even greater if like a game sells a million units. Like the amount that Steam would take is way more substantial in that context than it would be if someone sold like you know made like a thousand bucks you know so i think steam's cut is like 20 percent or something or 25 percent. i forget what it is it's it's a pretty substantial cut the, the quote the quote given is 30 but it seems like that's just kind of a nebulous sort of ballpark oh, like okay. that no, like <laughs> yeah. no, one, no one no one that no one can really tether down to like a, an officially stated thing as far as i know yeah but 30 30 seems like it's kind of the the standard yeah, so and it's then like, yeah. they they say that if you reach a certain threshold, we'll drop it to twenty five, and pass beyond that, it'll be twenty. So, yeah, the cynic in me, like I said, says that that's basically just trying to prevent more Bethesdas from making their own launchers. But uh, it still seems like you know generally a good thing when more, when more of the revenue can go into the developers' hands. Whether it has to be a big developer to reach that, it still seems like generally a good thing. It's like a in weird, my opinion, it's a weird like tax system. Like it's like you know, like the more money that you make, the less they'll tax you. It's like a corporate tax cut or something like that. It's it's yeah. a weird thing to think about, but you know, considering the fact that everyone has had huge issues with the amount that you know these publishers, uh, like uh, excuse me, the platforms like Steam take a cut of. It's kind of like, you know Spotify and the, the amount that they take as a cut for streams. Um, it's good that they're you know reacting to what what people need, and it of course will encourage people to make more games for Steam, which is good, you know, because it means like you know I've got this amazing idea in their heads that they know can make a ton of money. They feel more compelled to put it on Steam. The only issue, of course, is that they really need to work on the quality control of that platform. Yes, and I'm with you there. Yeah. Oh God. Oh God. Um, because you know even if a game sells a lot, it could be a trash game. So <laughs> it could be that they are taking advantage of some people. Um, yeah, so on that note, we'll go ahead and uh, bring things to a close here. And so where you guys can find us, you can always find us on RPGSite.net. You can find us on Twitter at RPGSite, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash RPGSiteNet, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash RPGSiteNet. You can also find us on iTunes, your favorite podcast app, to search for Tetracast or RPG site. Sometimes people need to put that there instead. You can also find us uh, on Discord. Our permanent Discord link is discord.me slash RPG site. You can find us a lot of discussions about that. I'm sure there'll be a big discussion regarding the upcoming uh, Game Awards, so we'll have that there. And lastly, we'd like to share where you can find us on Twitter. So where can they find you, Brian? I am at Zeomasicot, Z-E-O-M-A-S-S-I-C-O-T. Great. You can find me at Zacharys. So before we go, uh, I want to kind of make a bit of announcement here. This is, in fact, going to be my last podcast for RPG site. Yes. Uh, it's with a heavy heart that I have to say that because um, there's been a big career change. And as a result, I actually will be resigning from RPG site this weekend. And so it's been a hell of a ride. I've uh, been around since the site first launched um, back in 2006 and gone through a lot to see it grow to the point that it is today. Brian, it's been uh, huge help having you on. I want to mention that because uh, you came along and helped a huge amount, and so I want to you know pass along my appreciation for that too. It was nice knowing you, Zach. Yeah, it's it's. I'll be working with you guys in a different capacity. I can't say exactly that, but it's going to be very very soon uh, that I can actually say exactly what I'm talking about here. Um, but yeah, it's um. 
still trying to come to grips about that because I've been listening to music from games I used to review. Uh, I first reviewed, and it's been pretty powerful emotionally. Um, I don't want to keep things going for too long here, but you know, like I said, I'll still be around on social media, and I'll still be helping you guys in some form. But it's uh, it's crazy, crazy times right now. Um, oh, two th- two thousand six and now is a long time, so that's a big hole for us to fill. Yeah. So. You probably won't do it super well to start out, just to be honest. But, but, but eventually, eventually we'll learn to get by. I'll keep you so. guys on high standards here. So, you know, it's like if I don't see you keeping up to my standards, I'm going to be very upset. Uh, but we'll you'll, be, you'll be poking at us endlessly and saying, hey, guys, clap, clap, chop, chop. Hello. Hello. It's the, it's the birthday. Was your was your Yosuke dancing tweet? Was your Quest 64 reference? Um, but, you know, it's it is what it is um but yeah uh it's 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 important times and the site is about to hit yet another great milestone um with the future of the site and so i'm going to be very excited seeing it from the sidelines and can't wait to see what happens but yeah that's that's it for me as far as the host of the tetracast and for my position on the site uh but thank you all out there for listening and catch us next week cross our fingers for yet another edition of the tetracast bye everyone See ya.